Blog Talk Radio. Right now, I'm solo. John Jordan is on his way. So we'll start with Adam on time. At uh, Right now, it's 8.30. We're not uh, announcing we're going live because we're not really doing calls on this time. There's really not much to talk about that we've already sounded off from the last show. Um, you know, that said, you know, there, there have been uh, – they had a couple games at home. Um, a little bit of a gutsy and some gut-wrenching uh, wins. So they have kept pace. <clears throat> you know, if we look at the numbers, they look like they're going to at least hold on to a wild card spot, um, Knockwood. So, which is an interesting situation because one can say, yeah, but they should be a lot better. But we can also say, yes, but they also broke out of the slump. So there's a lot of mixed feelings, and uh, we'll kind of go into a little bit of uh, a little bit of that, and uh, some devil's advocate from um, uh, some items from to go against from last time. Um, I'm still concerned on the coaching and the player performance, which I've already mentioned uh, before. So don't want to really repeat into that. So uh, I'll bring up a couple items this time in the opposite effect that kind of tell a different tale. Um, fact is that they are likely to be over a hundred points this season, despite the flaws, uh, which is an interesting situation. I know that a lot of people uh, also put blame on Garth Snow. Um, I don't really f- um, buy into that because I think theoretically and uh, to, to assume that one of the three, um, or a couple of their young players would be able to uh, rise this year would be a pretty normal observation and, and assumption. Also that, uh, you know, Garth Snow's um, signing of Grice and uh, also um, when losing Poulin on waivers, picking up uh, Barube have been actually um, big deals this season. Yes, we can say that one of the reasons they have been able to hold it together is based on those two moves. Those are two moves that Garcino did make. Um, So it's an interesting situation. I mean, um, so to think that the team would take steps forward would be the rightful assumption. Obviously they're not going to likely get past where they were last year at 102 points 
Um, whether that matters or not, we will see in the in in the playoffs. But it it brings up an interesting yin and yang. We, we, you know, I think that a lot of fans and and myself included don't feel that Jack Capuano is the guy. He's not the guy to take them to the next level. And one of the points that I made, uh, you know, last time was the issue of player performance, that there are too many question marks, too many issues. And, uh, you know, there's a little bit of what we need to talk about and think about in terms of, you know, where they can improve on that, whether that leads to the, to the team making the change. Well, that's, you know, a whole nother ball of wax. And we'll take that up in the future because I'm not going to worry about that in the, in the uh, at the end of the season. Um, if they did make a change, it would be after the season anyway. It's just not Garth's style unless there's a complete implosion. So from that, we can assume that uh, you know that uh, they have improvements to make. But when we look at that, the fact is, play devil's advocate again. Here they are aiming and probably will get a hundred points in the playoff picture in the playoff picture where the difference between second place and sixth place in the, in the, in position is not a lot of difference between them. So if you, if you go with that concept and once again, you know, don't get all flustered you know, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but there are some points to be made. There's only four points that separate, two through six in the East. That means any of them could end up losing in the first round or moving on to a Washington series at at some point. So the question is, if the Islanders suck like so many think, and, you know, as the fan sentiment is, maybe our coach should be fired, and then some say that this coach and GM should be fired. Based on this concept, should the same be said about those teams in the second to sixth position. There's a point to be made there that as much as we've been critical and of uh, pointing to the Islanders flaws, I think we've been also hypersensitive to it most of the season. Um, I think that it became a little bit more pronounced uh, admittedly during the, the slump at the worst time, uh, which they've seemed to be able to pull themselves out of. Uh, fact remains, um, as much as we demand the coach and maybe even some of us demand the GM to be fired, here we are stuck in the middle of, uh, of and holding on to a wild card position and could find ourselves in the second to sixth position. So it's a really interesting scenario here and devil's advocate point of there's other teams in the same scenario should they also be looking to fire their coach and their GM? It's just something to think about. And, you know, the other thought is, and once again, it's devil's advocate. Those who want Cappy fired, let's, let's think about how many additional points do we think that they would, uh, would have gotten with a different coach. And if we're talking about, you know, bunch of points well you know if it's if it's a bunch of points that might have made a bit of difference then why are we even bringing up that the gm should be fired 
something to think about. Player performance is not necessarily on the GM. Player performance is on the coaching. The fact is, if you think that firing the coach and getting another coach would have derived a bunch of point difference and put them in a completely different position, how can you really blame the GM then? Something to think about. Once again, these are the things that roll through my head. So, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, Garth, uh, though, has made mistakes along the way. We certainly talked about that last year. Um, not so much last year, but the year before when they made mistakes. Um, and, uh, you know, what can I tell you? You know, there's just something to think about here. They've won two games. They've been close. They haven't come out in the first period with a lot of energy. I think we've all seen that. And I think that, uh, you know, we, we can say that uh, under the, being hypersensitive and looking at the full 60 minutes, they're not that quite there yet. That said, they've been able to pull it out in the second period and also in the third period or hold on and tie the game and then pull it out when it matters most. You know what? That's what you want to see after a slump. And no matter what we feel about the coach, fact is and remains that we're in the season and we're going to go to the end of wherever that might lie and where the chips fall. So now that I've eaten up almost 10 minutes of time and uh, John is uh, around, I'll key him in. And uh, how's it going, John? A bit tardy, but I am well. Uh, I appreciate the patience. I caught most of that opening rant. And uh, I'm ready to jump right in and say, uh, are, you, are you saying that some of the fans aren't going to get their wish and uh, that the Islanders aren't going to pull a Devils Robbie Vitoric move and dump <laughs> cap with, what, four games left or something? Well, I, I think if they had gone at home and uh, had the same slump and, and I'm not talking about the close games, I'm, I'm talking about where the team is just, you know, getting blown out or just, just lifeless and not having these gutsy games, um, then maybe they would have, but the fact remains, they, they come home and pull out two wins, you know, then the, the, you know, even coming from behind. And, uh, you know, it's, it's what you want to see if, uh, you know, things get back on track. Yeah, well, but, but you know what I'm going to say? Uh, I was, uh, at the game on Friday and that was, uh, troubling to watch unfold. Um, and then to squeak out two wins against a rather dreadful especially at those first periods that you spoke of in the, you know, coming to life late. Uh, yeah, the positive side of that is they, they squeaked a couple out that maybe they shouldn't have. And <clears throat> four points out of those two games is are, are still four points. Uh, but I think, you know, after everyone is lamenting the season high seven goals given up here in Tampa last Friday and seemed to be some real bad feelings around the team uh, based on what was read and what was said, uh, or what we heard them say anyway, um, I expected a little bit more of a remarkable rebound. But that's me being unrealistic, I guess. Like we should take the four points and be happy. And when you look at the standings today, uh, they look to be in a pretty good spot in terms of making the playoffs. Uh, I think that 
very few of us are happy to accept the whole just making the playoffs thing anymore, especially when they were in good position for, for a home ice spot for much of the season and so on and so forth, especially since we went through that song and dance last year. Uh, and, you know, again, here we go. Seven game stretch. Things could be quite different this time next week. Um, so all is not lost, but uh, I still I don't want to say that everything's been solved here. Um, I don't think that, that anything's going to be solved here before the end of the season. There's still some flaws that need to be addressed. And uh, the one thing that I, I have had pop in my head in terms of optimism is, you know, seven games left. Um, maybe, just maybe, they'll put a little streak together here and do some impressive things and go into the playoffs as that hot team. You know, ride that momentum into the playoffs possibly. I mean, the timing potentially is there. Uh, you know, of course, that could go the, go the other way, but I think this is a team that's been guilty of peaking too early in the past. Um, can't say that this year, not to this point. Uh, maybe maybe we will say that at some point, but um, there's still, you know, uh, a good uh, chunk of games left here to really put something together and maybe find some magic, and I don't know. A lot, uh, lot still to be determined. Seven games doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, that's 14 points on the line, so a lot can change. Yeah, and you're definitely right. They haven't played, you know, top-tier talent, but they will be. And at least with these two wins, getting off the snide and and building up a little bit of confidence is not a bad thing to then put yourself in position when they go against the Penguins, Tampa, Washington, and then the Rangers. That's going to be a pretty strong slew of games where there are all those a lot of those teams are in a tight race now. And that's what you want right before the playoffs, right? You know, the, the, the best competition, I mean, unless you're really fighting for your playoff lives and say you're, you know, four or five points out with just a few games left to go or something like that. I mean, you don't have any choice at that point. You prefer to, to play, uh, you know, some crappy teams. But in the Islanders' case, I mean, it's not like the spot's all wrapped up, but they look to be in pretty decent shape based on the way things are lining up for the other teams and still having a game in hand uh, over uh, – Detroit and Philadelphia. Um, so that's a real test, you know, that that's opportunity, right? It's, it's a learning opportunity. It's a little bit of a measuring stick. It's, you know, it's these are the kind of opportunity. Yeah. Say, say what? I'm sorry. I, I missed that. Even a building up a little bit of confidence after the slump opportunity. Here's, yeah. you know, yeah. they have another chance of uh, beating a, another team that's not in good shape. Uh, and, and right. And, and right when you need to ramp it up, you know, there, yeah. there has to be a lot on the, you know, to, to really kind of emulate what the playoffs is all about. You have to find yourself in a situation where there's a lot on the line for both teams. Uh, I think that's when some fans sometimes get really disappointed and don't understand what's going on when a team, let's say, is, uh, you know, uh, on the brink of elimination toward the end of the regular season. And in, in game 81 or game 82, they go up against a team that's been out, you know, since January and they lose that game. Well, you know, how could they, how could they lose this game? They had everything on the line. Well, you know, it, it could very well be because the other team had nothing on the line and they're so freewheeling and feeling no pressure. Uh, people don't really, uh, it's not a, a, a true measurement of, you know, what a team's made of. Sometimes there's something to be said for being able to, you know, uh, accomplish your goal against whatever the obstacle is, but there's a, there's a little bit of a mental, uh, aspect that goes into that. I think that you, you don't see uh, so much when both teams have a ton to play for. So 
in the next week as we wrap things up here. Uh, there's a lot of games against teams that have a ton to play for, and I think that uh, that's that that's where the opportunity is is ripe for the picking for the Islanders. Yeah. Yep. And you know, it's funny that you mentioned the the Tampa game. It's uh, you know the, that game. I really was like, all right. So how do you feel about Halak now, fans? <laughs> The, the fact remains, you know, the 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 you know the the more that uh, Barube gets used, as the sample size gets larger. Um, you also have Grice fall into earth a little bit. Not, uh, you know, people like to blame the defense. I don't see any difference in how they're playing, except that the maybe the possession wasn't as hot during the slump. But um, you know, I definitely saw and looking at his medium and high and even as low danger shots. There was definitely a drop. You can't play, you can't play blame the defenseman. Uh, by the way, Brian Strait with some interesting uh, um, analytics lately, uh, a little bit above uh, the norm. Oh, even. boy. So it's, uh, you have an interesting situation. But, hey, playing, uh, for, playing, for, playing for a contract, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that it won't be from yeah, but it'll be from another team. But uh, yeah, as much as people are, you know, you can gripe on straight, but that's not really why they're losing uh, during the slump. And uh, once again, the third pair is really hard to argue. It's really about the you know the the offense kind of shut off during the slump, and uh, at least they've been able to turn it on, even if they're not able to really kind of take out a team from the start and they're still playing it too close. And, uh, you know, they seem to have their confidence in spurts or some urgency in spurts, but, you know, and that's why I feel like that, you know, it's a little bit of a mixed feeling. And that's why I called the, uh, you know, the show living on the edge, because that's basically what's going on right now. We should have grabbed the uh, soundbite from the old Aerosmith song. Anyway, I tried, uh, I tried, I could not get it. <laughs> If I was able to do, if I could have done that while driving and avoiding a car fire on one of the bridges that I used to come home, I would have, uh, I would have done that for you. But uh, I figured I was in peril anyway. Um, you know, I, I, my humble colleague here is is last in line to ever pat himself on the back, so I go ahead and do that for you. Um, you know, although we weren't really reaching for the moon here, we did say when Halak went down and Grice was going to carry the bulk of the load that. You know, these numbers that everybody was ranting about were going to, you know, come back down to earth, as you say. And, you know, they have. And that was, uh, you know, that was predictable, obviously. We we, we, we kind of, we, we told that, we, we mentioned that right away. Um, it's easy to, but that's math, right? I mean, that's, you know, you well, play, just, play more games. It's just it's, it's math and also knowing that, um, you know, the scouting and, and the fact of Grice's history is, is, not, is a backup. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's, he's not a guy real, real good, real, real good backup. That, that yeah, pretty much, uh, yes, a very good backup and a very good one B uh, when you have a healthy starter. Right, but, and now you know that 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 little train, that mighty little train, that was starting to really uh, ramp up some momentum after what one or two uh, strong performances by Barubi about anointing him the automatic starter and the goalie of the future out of nowhere a couple weeks ago. Uh, hmm. Not really hearing, not really hearing so much from that right now. Uh, really, not to any of his fault, but uh, that would those. No, are no, it's not his fault. Anyway. I mean, it's it's he's a young kid and needs more time. And I don't really feel that the assessment is there that he's, you know, could he be a starter? Maybe, but um, hmm. 
you won't know. And, you know, with the Islanders and their goalie situation, despite uh, what we talked about with Staples saying in the Q&A, I'm uh, not buying it. And, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing for the Islanders is um, when, when Hawks contract is up is when Sororkin uh, over in the KHL is available based on his contract with the KHL and in, and uh, who had a fabulous season. Um, and if you look at his stats versus um, other uh, Russian goalies in the, uh, in the league uh, that are NHL starters, his is actually superior at his age, which is really good. Um, we will see how that continues, but uh, they, they have some interesting players in the system and playing in other places that uh, could, when Halak's contract is done, which brings yeah, us just, back uh, to the need of the Islanders having entry-level contracts and young players to come up. Just a quick peek at those stats that you mentioned. Uh, it looks like 28 regular season games. Uh, 1.3 goals against a 17-7-4 record. 95.3% save percentage. 9.53 if you want to put it in the traditional format. But yeah. Yeah, pretty impressive. 10 shutouts as well. Of course, you know, different... Different uh, scale over there, but still, those, that's nothing it, to, uh, it, to scoff it at. It is a different scale, but, you know, in, in comparison, the interesting thing is the AHL is good when you're trying to work with players and develop them. The KHL, I think, is a, a little bit higher um, level of play and obviously a little bit more of a scoring shooting gallery at times, so that those stats are actually pretty amazing if you think about it. Um, and him and uh, also the Islanders also property and, and stole, um, I don't think he'll be here next year, but maybe in two years, uh, Kosikin is still an Islander property. And, uh, you know, even though he signed a year contract, I, I kind of think, especially with the crowd and net, if, you know, you, you really want to come over when there's opportunity. And with Grice and Barube and Halak all on, you know, there, I don't see him necessarily coming, maybe signing another year, but he's another guy who had uh, has had a, a consistent amount of uh, solid KHL seasons. So it's it's going to be interesting in a couple years. I just want as many of these guys that are going to cause you to struggle with pronunciations to come over as soon as possible because it's about the only <laughs> legit criticism I can ever throw your way. <laughs> yeah, the. Um... Yeah, it'll it'll get tricky. <laughs> you can always just make it up until people are really familiar with with the, you know the the foreign prospects, especially. So, but I, I just thought it was interesting as we talk about the current slew of goalies that the Islanders, you know, have some interesting pieces playing very well in other places, and it gives you an idea that uh you know in the two or three years it's going to be get very interesting. Yeah, absolutely, and it's never uh, that's never a bad thing. I, I I know that you know in general, goaltending aside, that the the prospect pool continues to be you know uh, highly regarded through and through. And uh, as we've said many times, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to see all these all these you know players ultimately with the Islanders. You never know uh, what those assets can turn into, and all of that is a positive. 
Yeah, and especially, you know, I think uh, you're going to also see next year, uh, probably in the AHL level, Josh Hosang, and you'll also have um, uh, probably uh, Michael Del Cole. Uh, they're, they're Bridgeport. They need time. They need, uh, you know, acclimation and development. Uh, Barzell is the, is the most likely to have the best NHL shot next year. Um, so it'll be a very interesting training camp, not to mention the young defensemen of, you know, Pollock, Mayfield, uh, Pellick. You have three defensemen that all could be possibly playing in the NHL because the, the Islanders seem to like to have eight defensemen on depth. So it will be an interesting year next year. Sure will, but that's next year. This year I'm still uh, looking. You know, the game, as I look at the schedule ahead, uh, just kind of jumping around here, um, not sticking to the plan in any way, shape, or form, which was something that I'm, I've, I've shown to be pretty good at as we've gotten this show off the ground this season. Um uh, you know, you talked about some of the big games coming up, Pittsburgh this weekend, Tampa uh, next Monday with me in the house and you in the house as well, by the way. Talk about that yep. later. Uh, and then on the road, Washington Rangers. Um, there's a couple of games wedged in there that are a little bit scary, and that's, you know, tomorrow night, Columbus, to me, is a little bit frightening uh, with because of that nothing-to-play-for factor that I mentioned previously. And then the, uh, the, the second-to-last game of the season uh, against Buffalo – uh, another one, a little bit creepy. So, got to take care of business uh, this coming week. Uh, well, let's start with tomorrow and then this weekend. Hopefully, out of those two games, you'd love to have three points, right? I would say is a realistic, you know, expectation. You got to say you're happy with that. Um, four would be fantastic, and four in regulation, especially in Pittsburgh, would be ideal. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Washington and the Rangers back to back. If you get uh, a, a couple more out of those. I think they're in pretty good shape, but um, those, those teams that are not going to be playoff teams are the ones that scare me a little bit. Yeah. And, and, and that's, what's so interesting in our last two wins. Um, you know, it was an opportunity and kind of scenario where the, those other teams can be the spoiler and the Islanders were able to gut it out, um, which is a little bit different from where they were playing on the slump. So I, I think that, like I said, this, these could be stepping stones to getting a little bit of confidence, despite, you know, the, the Ryan Strom is uh, missing an action and has been basically missing an action since the 100th game of, in his career. Um, just nowhere near the scoring chances or shots or, you know, doing any of the things that uh, he was doing last year. But, uh, you know, they the, still have some of the player issues, but still, you know, just a little bit of, of these steps back, um, kind of pulling away from maybe the, you know, the basically where we, we talked about in the last show, the abyss, almost falling into the abyss and stepping away from that and doing little, little steps. So, you know, back into the, into the thick of it, you know, it, it, I, I think there's a little bit of yin and yang here of, of good things and despite uh, still seeing the issues from before. I've started to peek at the potential playoff matchups again because I'm irresponsible like that. And I don't know, <laughs> I don't know uh, if I'm reading this correctly because I haven't put as much time into it as I normally do. But I would say that right now, am I correct in and I'm not putting you on the spot either, but does it appear or does it not appear that the most likely first-round matchups are against uh, one of the Florida teams or the Rangers? Yes. 
I think it's it's probably most likely going to be Florida Panthers. Well, uh, shit! How can I how can I lose here, man? I'm in, I'm in good shape then. <laughs> uh, it it can very well happen. Um, you know, uh, we we will see. Um, it it'll be very interesting. I think the Panthers are actually a, a good matchup. Um, despite uh, you know, I think the Panthers are dangerous, but you know, it it'll be. Yeah, it'll be very interesting, and uh, especially, you know, look, it's getting tight, and the fact that there's only four points difference, you could see a lot of different uh, scenarios because things are so tight. It's not really clear-cut just yet. So, you know, it could be very interesting when if the Islanders are able to beat the Penguins and the Rangers and and Tampa or, or you know, or cause some of those teams uh, – some uh, points it, you could see some, uh, you know, losing in their position. And it, it, especially when the teams are this tight, um, we, we could have different scenarios based on uh, in the next, you know, next couple of days and the next week that could be completely different. Well, uh, when I'm up there on Monday and maybe in a uh, pregame conversation over a frosty beverage, we shall have to talk about, the potential irony of me being up there in early April and freezing from what I understand (laughs) and you, and and then you possibly having to, and I will say having to, and I'll force you to have to come down for a playoff game down here and sweating your ass off in uh, later (laughs) in April. So that's, uh, that's, that's kind of exciting. Yeah, it could be, uh, it could be quite interesting, especially since winter seems to have not left yet. Um, we shall see. Um, the interesting thing about uh, the Tampa game, besides um, that we're we're finally going as fans to experience Barclays, um, is uh, also that uh, you know it's a, finally an opportunity. You know, there's a bunch of people that have wanted to uh, kind of meet up or have a frosty beverage. The sad thing is, I'm not really drinking right now. So watching the watching the waistline, but uh, I will uh, tip my soda, diet coke, or uh, or my uh, water. I was happily. gonna say root beer counts, right? <laughs> diet root beer, yeah, sure. There you go. There you go. So, but uh, you know, it'll be definitely an interesting experience, and um, they're gonna take an off half the day, so I have more time to kind of uh, futz around down there and see what's around. Because that's where I actually went to school nearby, so I'm curious of well, how much it's changed. That is uh, that's encouraging to me because no doubt I'll screw up my uh, travels from the airport to my hotel to Brooklyn at some point, and I'll need your help. So I'm encouraged <laughs> to find out that you are uh, that you might be free a little bit earlier than we thought. We'll have to we'll have to talk about that uh, off the air, but. Uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm uh, I'm excited to come up and check out the new atmosphere, uh, see just how bad this ice is, from what I understand. <laughs> and, uh, hopefully, we see behind the pole. Yeah, that, and it's funny that uh, you know Barclays seems to be very much uh, congratulating themselves and patting themselves on the back for the game experience um, from those that uh, from not just fans but also. Um, even, you know, super fans, um, you know, the, the most I, I would cite is, uh, if anybody still listens to Opie from the old Opie and Anthony show, and also, uh, now is on uh, Sirius XM with, uh, Jim Norton, 
he is an Islander fan, and he went to an Islander game and had some uh, not fond words for the Barclays experience. Um, didn't really feel that uh, they really have a grip on the uh, the, the showcase and the you know the all the things that uh, Barclays is patting themselves on the back with. So it'll be interesting to uh, see for ourselves where they are also because it'll be good from from your perspective uh, having been at the Tampa games and seeing different uh, game situations. Yeah, this uh, this arena here is really top-notch nowadays, too. I, I think I mentioned before that you can pretty much walk uh, in a circle all around the uh, concourse and still have a peek at the ice uh, if you get, you know, just a little bit closer to where the seats are. I think that's a that was a nice improvement here, and it's definitely a place where, uh, you know, the old adage, there's not a bad seat in the house, rings true. Uh, do, does anybody know if uh, – if uh, Opie was seated behind um, one of the uh, obstructed areas or told, encouraged to watch the game on his phone or anything like that? Actually, actually him and uh, and uh, comedian uh, Chris DeStefano, uh, De um, who's actually was from the uh, IFC show Benders, which was the hockey beer league show oh, yeah. that unfortunately didn't get renewed. Um, they uh, he took uh, Opie over to the uh, the obstructed seat, so they they definitely took it out, uh, checked it out, and it blew his. It seemed to blow uh, Opie's mind. I'm gonna have to check uh, to uh, maybe see if I can check if you get uh, if you get going off on a good tangent here, and I'll I'll see if I'm if if the uh, seat finder tells me I'm stuck directly behind a a pole or a a, <laughs> a wall or in the bathroom or something like that. I'm, I'm not quite sure exactly where I'm at, but but we'll find out. Yeah, and I'll I'll also let uh, fans know where I'll be once I have a a good idea. I'm uh, still waiting to see where I'm going to be situated, but um, that said, we we will experience the 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 game as fans. Uh, we wanted to get the fan perspective. You know, we've heard a lot from fans, whether it's been on Twitter or on Facebook or, you know, calling into the show on, on some of the experience. So I thought it would be a good idea, um, especially for that I'm finally able to get away from work and get over to Barclays um, to have that same experience as they do and kind of, you know, write, tweet about it, and then we'll talk about it. Hopefully we get a damn win too. I don't like coming up there and going home empty handed. I had a good, uh, I don't know, six to eight year stretch where I I don't think I saw the Islanders win at home like ever. And uh and then they beat Washington in the matinee a couple of years ago. I wasn't able to catch up with you. Uh but uh hopefully it won't be I won't be able to, to pin this on hanging out with you. Maybe it was your fault in the, in the times prior. I'm not sure. Um, I I know nothing. <laughs> I wasn't there. <laughs> I did not have contact with that one no, I'm sorry, wrong wrong. Oh, okay. Wrong. All right. <laughs> so, so um, I have uh, we we brought this up one time previously this year and it, it ended up working out okay uh, last night. But the um, John, John Tavares shootout attempts are about <laughs> to make me stab myself in the eye with a hot poker. What I I, I went through it earlier this season and broke it down and. I, I think I said something along the lines of I would never pretend to be any sort of expert, seeing as how I haven't uh, skated in any semblance of a game in a good five or six years myself and nowhere near this level. But fundamentally speaking, 
slowing it down and, and uh, going <laughs> negative miles per hour towards the goaltender is, has never been uh, my idea of a, of a wise shootout strategy. And, and last night, you know, I'm sure he would tell you uh, if he looked back at the tape, and I hope he didn't, uh, looked just horrendous, looked like he'd never done it before. Yeah, you know, it's and it's the same the same lame moves for, you know, we can talk about uh, you know, he hasn't played elite this this year uh too often. Um but the fact is he's never been particularly good at shootouts. Uh but uh and he's been particularly horrendous this season. You know, you, you can even see an argument oh, why have him out there? Well, you know, you, you hope that he can work himself through it, and you know, the, all he has to do is do the most important one that you know has them leapfrog a team before the the playoffs, or you know, or at least have a little bit of a confidence builder. So you still want to have your best player um, still in it, despite despite that. Uh, it seems I don't I don't know if it's the 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 best idea. But uh, after arguing over many other coaching things, I can see why they keep him in it. Uh, besides that, he's the captain, and uh, you know somebody who off- offensively is should be much better than a lot of the other players um, taking that shot, and yet still can't seem to work work through it. So I'm hoping in the next couple of uh, games that somehow, if they're into that uh, shootout again, that uh, somehow he gets. Uh, gets to the, to the promised land with a little bit of speed of more than, you know, five miles per hour. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's the captain. He's the best player. He's a, a an all world talent. There's absolutely every reason why he should be out there every time. But uh, you know, I like to make comparisons to the team that's right in front of my eyes down here in Tampa. And I often like to compare Tavares a little bit to Steven Stamkos uh, who, you know, they're different players, uh, but Stamkos went through a long stretch where he was, just abysmal in the shootout as well. And uh, I think, I believe there was a time when they stopped using him consistently down here, but that has also come and gone. Now he didn't uh, slow it down to a crawl like JT likes to do, but uh, I don't know. (laughs) It's funny. I was thinking, you know, like at some point he he knows that that sucked. He knows that it sucked before, but is there anybody that, you know, Jack Capuano, what's what's Capuano going to say to him? You know, what's Doug Waite going to say to him? What's, What's uh, somebody in the room going to say to him? I think it, with the exception of when it gets late in the season like this and every point means so much, I, I get the, the sense, and it's one of the reasons why I hate the shootout, that, you know, it gets to that point and half the guys are like, ah, whatever, you know, whatever happens here. You never really seem to see anybody super down or have their head, you know, their uh, head pointed down toward the ice when the team loses a shootout. Um, but now I would think so important. I mean, everything uh, everything's on the line and those points are so precious. I was thinking – you know, it's not like anybody in the room is going to go up to him and say, hey, you should do this. Hey, you should do that. I think he probably knows, you know. Uh, it's just that he's not that comfortable in this situation. And uh, thankfully, that's not something that has to be a factor in the playoffs and will never be. Uh, but, you know, it's worth pointing out again because uh, I chuckled a little bit last night and I said, if they don't win this now after seeing that, my God. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, it's interesting um... – Conversely, you know, you look at the, it reminds me, you know, JT obviously hasn't had the season that he's had consistently before this. Uh, I was looking at players that actually have 
um, equaled or been consistent this season as opposed to last year, and especially Kyle Oposo and Brock Nelson. And Kyle, of course, coming through. Um, you know, we all know he's streaky, but the fact is uh, Kyle is, you know, actually looking at his points per 60 minutes is actually very close to where he was last year. Might be even, a, you know, like a point or two, just a teeny little, uh, I would say, a hundredth of a point difference. He's actually in, uh, you know, also same thing with Brock Nelson, who's got 25 goals. Um, you know, the, at least there's some players that are kind of keeping it together and being able to chip in. Uh, look at uh, Clutterbuck a couple games ago back. Um, they're, they're getting it from all over the place. And that seems to be, you know, being enough for now. So it'll be interesting to see if they can ramp it up and uh, wake up a little bit more. Can Anders Lee, who was uh, scoring a little bit and being a little bit more effective and then kind of died off during the slump, pick it up again. So it'll, it, it's uh, kind of interesting to see where, well, who's going to be the heroes in these last couple games of the season. Well, if it is uh, Cal Clutterbuck come postseason time uh, in clutch situations, Oh, God. (laughs) Hopefully they'll all skip that one. (laughs) Kind of a weak point for me. I I apologize. I think uh, you're doing the the, the writing and the creative strategy thing for a living. uh, I'm spent (laughs) by the time I get home at night. That's the best I can can come up with. You couldn't go with Clutcher Buck? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's better than uh, I don't know. You, you, your alternative pronunciation for his name is probably somewhere off the off the map anyway. So, <laughs> but that's not that one you struggled true. with. <laughs> but you know, it is interesting. Uh, Clutterbuck has had some uh, nice scoring touch this season. Uh, the fourth line has been um, effective. Uh, Sizikas has actually had a pretty respectable season. Um, he's not the the fourth line hero. That some people, you know, I think that uh, he's he's he is being effective, but I think that Clutterbuck and uh, Sizikas together are are kind of really the heart and soul of the fourth line, and I think Matt Martin is a, a nice, interesting piece to that. Every time that ever somebody cites that uh, Martin's ahead in hits in the league, I always like, why are you even bothering to do that? It really doesn't mean much, but some people still think that that matters, but. What can I tell you? I mean, I guess it's something to mention at the end of a game if you don't have much else to talk about. But I never really put all that much stock in the in the stat. I, in fact, it's if you've if when they first started doing the uh, the advanced stats, like in game stats, if you ever really f- tried to follow that, um, it, it makes you wonder how they even credit that sort of thing. It doesn't seem to be. Or at least at that time, it didn't really seem to be an exact science, if there is such a thing. It's funny, I uh, it, coming from the game uh, on Friday night, and uh, where you know Martin ended up a minus two, uh, as did his line mates. Um, a friend that was at the game with me mentioned after the fact that he uh, he felt like Martin was on the ice for six goals, and uh, that he played way too damn much. But he actually had, and of course that was something that I wanted to look into because it would be something that I could say. Uh, 
you know, uh, in opposition to the great and wonderful Jack Capueno. But um, the reality is, he, you know, he played eight, shade over eight and a half minutes on Friday, which I, 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 I'm not, I don't have the stats right in front of me. Uh, actually, let's take a look real quick. That's two minutes less than his uh, season average. So that didn't pan out. But uh, I do think sometimes that, or I fear sometimes that, uh, that whole best fourth line in the league thing that started being bandied about after the last couple of playoff runs might be something that uh, was overvalued. Um, you know, maybe that's a regular season thing though, because if you can roll four lines and each line has its own different, you know, method of effectiveness, and we know what this fourth line can do uh, in the postseason, that's a different thing. Um, but uh, it, you know, in the regular season, that was something that I. Started to sort of kind of worry about, but you know, then you, when you look at a guy like Cal Clutterbox, who's got 15 goals, I mean, you can't really argue with uh, him having a little bit of an expanded role. So I guess it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, you know, it's it, it yeah, and it, it brings up the, the the fact is once you see a guy and don't like him or feel that he's there too much or looking for a mistake, uh, guess what? All players make mistakes. I've seen this uh, happen with. Uh, consistently throughout with Josh Bailey, who didn't have particularly a great game. Uh, but after, um, you know, watching Twitter basically uh, lose their shit over Josh Bailey in the last game, I looked at the, um, the Corsi stats and the analytics, and he was actually fine in the, and the team was in positive points with him on the ice. So it's a funny dichotomy of the eye test and when we pe- people look for mistakes and he certainly blew up uh, a, a spot and, and allowed a goal, but the team overall actually was in positives with him on the ice, um, which isn't always the case, by the way. Uh, Bailey's had a very mixed bag season too, um, or it's George Pace uh, cited to me today. Uh, he regressed and he's not somebody that needs to worry about regressing or advancing. I think that his play has regressed because most of the offense uh, and where he used has regressed. You know, the, there's very few players that actually had even or successful seasons. Franz, um, JT, uh, not JT, uh, Kyle, uh, Brock Nelson, uh, Grabowski actually uh, noticed that uh, Strom started to disappear um, when Grabowski went out again. And that's the funny thing. When Strom came back from Bridgeport, um, he was, you know, kind of placed around, and then he was placed with Grabowski and started to actually be productive. He was back to half a point uh, a game average, uh, which is where he was last year. And then all of a sudden, Grabowski um, is out and been out, and Strom has looked lost again. Um, you know, we haven't been able to solve the, the great mystery of Ryan Strom this season, but those who keep on discounting Grabowski, um, he really shouldn't. Um, his, his stats are actually up this year, and his possession play is what is key. And, you know, people kind of lose their shit when uh, Grabowski or Bailey are used on the top line because they don't produce points. But they're not there necessarily to produce points. They're there to keep the puck in the offensive zone so that other players can make points. And that's the thing that keeps on getting lost. You don't have to like Josh Bailey. I don't think he's going to be an Islander for life. And uh, certainly as players come up and as they make improvements, and I think they're going to make some interesting improvements this summer, 
uh, uh, I, the more and more I'm starting to feel that Hamanek might be the, you know, the finally getting them the elite uh, player on on offense that they have been looking for. Um, you're going to start to see them slide out, but you know, having somebody who's serviceable anywhere in the top nine is not something that should really be discounted. And, um, you know, he's really not taking up much space. What, what he's keeping Bernie off the ice. I, I, I'm not really sure why it's such a big deal. Um, fact is that, um, you know, the, the whole team has been a mixed bag. And I think that people kind of start to pick on different players. I've seen it over the years, especially because both my brothers are Ranger fans when they used to get on uh, Nedved and they also, the fans used to get on Pody. Um, I think that comes too often when you pick out a player that you don't like or met, didn't meet an expectation and get constantly kind of microscoped and microanalyzed for every fart and fizzle, missing a goal, you know, not being, you know, hitting the, hitting the post or missing the goal. That's the big deal. Not looking at that. The fact that they're providing offense and keeping it in the offensive zone to be able to do that. So I think those things get lost. My, my biggest issue with Josh Bailey is not, um, a Josh Bailey issue, something I have with a lot of players is I just don't notice him a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I go through an entire game and somebody will ask me what I thought of Bailey. And I'll think I, you know, honestly, I didn't even see him. Um, it, interestingly enough in a seven to four game, uh, the, the, the Tampa game on Friday, I don't remember even seeing uh, uh, Tavar- John Tavares or Josh Bailey play and they combined for three points. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, but, but, you know, the, you, when you say that about defensemen, particularly younger defensemen, that's usually a good thing. Um, but when you say that about forwards who you rely on to, to, to you know, in Tavares' case, provide a chunk of the offense, and in Bailey's case, to me, uh, play some quality m- minutes and pull some pressure off some of the other guys and whatever points you get are a bonus, uh, that's not necessarily as good a thing. But I don't know. I still think that uh, I have a sneaky suspicion that Josh Bailey will end up somewhere else at some point and ho- will actually become a little bit more of the player that – we all thought that he might be here. Uh, to me, he, he screams ripe for a change of scenery, but that might be somewhere down the road. But back to Grabowski for a second. I actually really liked him last season, and I thought that uh, him only being able to play two games in the postseason was a huge loss. So, um, you know, we, we spoke specifically of his effect on Ryan Strom's game. Um, uh, it would be fantastic if, uh, you know, he were involved in the, the top, you know, the top six uh, for the postseason this year, um, just based on some of the stuff that I thought, you know, he brought to the table last year, unfortunately, has a hard time staying healthy. Yeah, you know, that's that's the really unfortunate thing there. You know, think of Grabowski as a possession engine, not a point engine, possession engine. He's very good at providing good possession play. And what, and again, possession play is about keeping the puck in the offensive zone and which by process will create scoring chances, scoring chances, create scores, goals. Um, Grabowski is not one who's going to have a lot of points, but he's a possession engine. And that's what I think worked with Strom well. And uh, like I said, that's a mystery that we'll leave for the talk about over the summer. Um, you know, I don't feel like he's, look, he's a 50 point player. Um, 
uh, last year. Um, I don't think, uh, despite this regression, um, I think he's quite capable of, uh, you know, being at least an over 60 point player. So there's the, whatever the issue or mystery or whatever needs to be solved there um, remains uh, something that uh, will have to work its way out. Um, but the fact is that you need those type of players. Grabowski is the prime example, and I cannot stand when people start shitting on the player because just because they're not getting enough points and everybody's looking at the, uh, the price, you know, the contract. That's why he was brought in was to keep the possession play going. So, you know, and last year it was cited to me that he was having a good season and, and doing the things that he was supposed to do. And that seemed to really surprise a lot of people when I said it on Twitter and, you know, and, and then when he, you know, got injured, everybody, you know, you saw the possession play drop and then the Islanders slide. And then here we go again. And the same thing. And how many times do we need to see that when Grabowski's out, the team is not the same team that it was before. So maybe he's more important than you think. It's not so much about points anymore. I, I know I had a, a debate with somebody over plus minus. Somebody was citing plus minus, not even in the NHL. And, you know, in another league or um, whether it was international or uh, AHL or college. Uh, the fact is plus minus is a very misleading uh, attribute um, for especially out of the NHL and not to mention in the NHL it doesn't account for how used uh, doesn't account for helping the, the team out and all the other you know that's why plus and minus is really not that important so you know the, the, the fact is don't always look for those points he's not somebody who's tallies He's kind of think of him as a possession engine. And I am really hoping, especially as they come into the playoffs, that he's healthy enough to, to, to be, to be back because this team will be better with it. Well, I, I definitely hope so. And, you know, uh, that, that, from what I understand that hasn't gotten anywhere near being ruled out, uh, you know, with seven games left and who knows how far they can possibly go. That seems to be plenty of time for him to, to get it right. And then once he gets it right, hopefully he can keep it right. Listen, I know we only have about five minutes left, but I, I didn't know if uh, possibly you wanted to touch on the word out of uh, Nassau Coliseum today about the uh, the renovations and uh, what they might mean for the future or lack thereof. Yeah, I, I did want to address that. Um, uh, uh, not surprising, especially if you followed along with me over the course of the summer or over the season or the things that I've cited in terms of the Islanders are not coming back um, here. Lo and behold, um, the, the, the amount 13,000 is not changing. Um, fact is the Islanders are not, not only, you know, um, not coming back there. Um, it will not be an NHL proved venue anyway so let's blow that you know the, this has been people that have been holding out hope despite things cited so and then of course um the fact is it might not even have a minor league team based yeah, on and, um, and I, I just wanted to jump in there real quick today i even read for the first time that the idea of them of the islanders going back and playing six home games a year there hasn't even been approved i i hadn't seen that previously i'm not sure yeah. if that was was out there before that but that was interesting to me too it has not, yeah, it's not been NHL approved, and it's also not been, um, 
you know, obviously uh, Ledecky and Malkin um, will be taking over. Um, I don't see a, necessarily a problem with it, but it will be interesting because it depends on their relationship with Barclays as, you know, you know, Barclays also, despite it being the same owners, um, you know, the bigger venue and the more cost is in Barclays in Brooklyn. So it'll be an interesting scenario as it works its way out, but there's a lot of question marks. And uh, the fact is that if you're holding out hope that the Islanders are returning, don't. It's just another nail in the coffin of, of, and, and the lack of logic on here is that the amount of money that's invested in about being a city team of being a New York team, as opposed to a long Island team is really key for the new owners. And the, the fact remains, you know, you might finally get once the Coliseum gets its shit together. Um, maybe we'll get those six games there, but that's all that will be there. It's going to be a, it's a smaller venue there for concerts and uh, events and a D league, NBA team, which is about uh, about as exciting or interesting as watching paint dry. I don't um, know, man. I'm I'm pretty fired up about that. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw that again today too, and I thought. I mean, I'm I'm aware of the NBA D League, but for the first time, I really thought, why do they even allow it to be referred to as the D League? That just sounds like you know, I mean, hell, you didn't even make the A, B, or C League, so <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't quite understand that whole thing. Like, that's a big. I mean, w- you know, whatever. It's just not. I'm not what's a big. That gonna, what's that going to? What's that going to draw? Eight people? You know? I mean. Yeah, I, you might as well bring lacrosse back. Um, that might have a better crowd. The to me, it just you know blows my mind. It it, it really does suck that the Islanders have lost. You know, that Long Island blew it, and that the Islanders are you know not going to be back. Um, that said, every time we hear this NASA Coliseum comes down another hammer, breaking those notions that people still seem to be kind of pushing, pushing along and fighting along with. And, and I, I get the pain and I get the, 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 the issues of, of trying to accept the craziness and the bullshit that's gone on um, with Nassau County, the town of Hempstead and the Islanders. But that battle is done. So that that battle is done, the bodies are buried, and the fact is that we seem to see, you know, people still trying to dig it up to see if that battle can still happen, and it's just not there. And it's just another prime example today, uh, especially through uh, Mangano's uh, words to, uh, I think it was Jim Baumbach, uh, from Newsday, and then I know that uh, Randy Marshall followed up with uh, an article citing the same it's basically just the fact is that they're not coming back and there's a lot of question marks of even of what they will be doing and no minor league team, um, which pretty much was clear. Bridgeport had a long, has a long-term contract. And then you have, um, was it Missouri as their, uh, as their other team is just not, you know, and that's settled. It's uh, just not happening, at least from the, you know, the Islanders point of view in their, in their properties. So, you know, the, you know, it, it, and it sucks. It sucks being a Long Islander and, and losing the professional team and not having that. But, uh, 
you know, as, as some others say, and correctly, that, you know, if you had an NHL team, how excited would you be to go have an AHL team, especially if it wasn't Bridgeport? Super. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, I know that uh, next week uh, we're up in the air. I'm speaking of up in the air. I'll be up in the air Monday on my way to come hang out with you, and uh, we'll be going to the game. But uh, looking at next week, we got uh, games on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, I fly back home next Wednesday game on Thursday, so we're either going to do our next show in the middle of a Ranger game, that might be interesting, on Thursday, <laughs> or uh, or, I'll, or I'll wing it, I don't fly back till late, so I'll wing it from uh, the airport bar or something like that, maybe we'll have some friends join us, I don't know. Either way, uh, that's about it for this evening, eh? Yeah, um, you know, like I mentioned, uh, and we'll be, uh, we, we held off um, where I have our analytics guy, and we'll introduce him next week. Um, bring him some, some items. I got a little stuck at work. I needed to kind of prep and kind of go over some stuff. Uh, so we weren't able to work out this week, perhaps Wednesday I'll go, um, and have, you know, go solo if need be, if you're in, if you're uh, traveling, but, uh, we'll see how it bears out and see where the team is also. If we're end up repeating the same or at the same point where we were this week, then there's not much else to say. This is why, you know, sometimes we have actually skip a week. Sometimes it's schedule and sometimes there's not much to say. And, um, you know, we will see how it goes, but uh, we'll be talking a little bit about analytics and what it means and, you know, where the team is trending, which is something that I think is a good thing to have and also explanations of what it really means. So it'll be a little bit of a primer and some, you know, nothing too tacky for those who are really uh, not analytically based, but it'll give you some ideas of where the team is trending. Like I said, where the team trends, where their uptick is, where they're, where they're going is what matters. So, and this is what really ends up being what was so important in these last couple games after the slump. There are, there are, you know, maybe a little bit of baby steps, but they're moving back up again. So let's see, see how that goes. And until then, this is BD, and we're with John Jordan, and you've listened to Isles Beat. Yes, you have. Congratulations. See you, see you next time. Bye-bye. Oh, i got to find our ending music. God damn it. Shit. <laughs> Here we go. Bye-bye.